0: Training and racing longer distances requires a lot of maturity, and what what does that mean? It, it means realizing that you have more in your toolkit than just your legs and your heartbeat.
1: Dizone's radio episode eight hundred and fifty two starts in three, two. Hey guys, uh, real quick before we dive into today's episode of the show, just want to uh, let you know that I do still have a few openings available right now for coaching, which I know right now probably isn't the best time for me to uh, be saying like, hey, let me work with you with no races or very few races at least uh, coming up. Um, but uh, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe you look at it from a different direction. Maybe now is the time you might need some help the most because there isn't clear cut end date there isn't a clear cut you know i've got x number of weeks until some of these races it's it's a bit more of a what what do i need to do what can i do help help me stay on track that type of thing and if that's something that might be useful for you might be something that you're in the market for uh, check out com slash coaching for all the coaching options there and, and shoot i mean a, a, a simple phone call is one of those options as well to just kind of get some clarity, get some idea of what to kind of do over the next uh, couple months moving forward uh, with fingers crossed still that some fall races will be happening. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if I can help you, I'm happy to do it. And if I can help you with an email, that's cool too. Um, but if we need a little bit more hands-on, a little bit more getting into the weeds and 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 really some help doing the work, there are some options available. Coterie, one-to-one, a phone call, a training plan, all those things are detailed, disruns.com slash coaching. And if you have any questions on anything, of course, let me know. And if you want to talk to any of the people that I that I do coach, feel free to uh, reach out, put a post up on Facebook, whatever, um, in the group. And there's plenty, I mean, pretty much everybody's in the group uh, and they'll be happy to, to hopefully tell you good things about me, but tell you the truth about working with me, good, bad and uh, in between. So uh, if you have questions, let me know, Dizruns.com slash coaching. And now let's go ahead and dive in to today's episode of the show. Hey guys, my uh, guest today is a runner and documentary filmmaker and uh, his most recently released film is uh, a a film that brought together those two areas of his life Uh, and I have to say that the finished product is uh, really well done and and worth worth a watch if you haven't checked it out already. Uh, The film is called 3100 Run and Become and uh, it centers around a 3100 mile race and and just kind of let that number sink in for a second. 3100 mile race that uh, takes place around a one half mile block in New York City. Um, typically every summer, although this summer uh, not so much because of the COVID nineteen situation. But uh, you know, you can do the math on that sixty two hundred times circling the block. Um, Whoo, like quite quite a quite a challenge. Uh, but the film, you know, that that's what the film kind of centers around. But there's definitely more to it than just that race. Looking at some other areas of uh, culture, different different peoples uh, around the world, and and what running uh, specifically ultra endurance type of running uh how that relates to them so uh lots of things to cover and i'm certainly looking forward to to getting to know the man behind the film a little bit more uh, as well as obviously diving into 3100 run and become uh with the director of the film mr sanjay rawal so sanjay thanks for uh joining us today and welcome to the show
0: Denny, I am thrilled to be on thanks for having
1: me yeah it's it's a pleasure and, and guys if you want to check out uh, the the film itself 3100 uh, filmcom is the is the website and that's the number 3100 so three one zero zero filmcom and uh, it's also available to stream on iTunes Google Play uh, and Amazon so you can you can queue it up and uh, give it a watch and uh, on, on Instagram if you want to connect with Sanjay as well and kind of follow Follow what he's got going on. Uh, More films coming. All all that type type of good stuff. At Mr. Sanjay R. So that's at M-R-S-A-N-J-A-Y. And then the letter R. Mr. Sanjay R. And for the film, for the 3100 film itself, it's at 3100film. Again, 3100film on Instagram. And we'll have everything linked up as we always do. Uh, in the show notes for today's episode, which you can find at disruns.com slash 852, disruns.com slash 852. Take you back. We'll have links to the film, links to Sanjay's other projects, his his information, all that good stuff, disruns.com slash 852. So Sanjay, the way we always start off each episode of the show is with uh, what I think is, a, what, I, what I know is a simple question to ask. Sometimes it's a simple question to answer. Sometimes uh, it's a little bit uh, complicated because there's a lot of good options out there, but it's just a great place to start the conversation. that is to simply ask, what is your favorite distance to race and why?
0: Well, te- technically my favorite distance to race is, is the one mile race. Cause that, that's what I, I that's what got me into running mm-hmm. in, in high school and in, in later years. But my challenge is still to try to feel like I've, I've run my very best marathon. Um, I'm 45 and you know, I, I I've, kind of feel like i can still do better than i did in my 20s and uh never broke 230 for the marathon but i got close last mm. december in sacramento and uh, was gonna run boston this april but that's obviously pushed to september and i'm, I'm training for that gotcha. hoping
1: to have a good race gotcha um so yeah, lots of, lots of things in there, uh, which is, which is why I love that question to start off with, cause it gives me a, a few different ways to go, but, you know, talking about starting off with, with the one mile and being that kind of the, uh, the race that kind of got you into the sport. Um, so clearly that, that means, you know, running, running high school, uh, things like that, um, was, was running, is that always kind of been your, your sport of choice or how did you fall into running at such an early age?
0: Well, you know, as you know, from, from, from the movie, uh, running is is now for me effectively as our, as our navajo character in the movie said running is a prayer mm-hmm. and you know he said in the movie that when you when you run uh, ideally you'd imagine your feet praying to mother earth uh your lungs your 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 nostrils breathing in father sky and making a connection to the atmosphere and to the energies around you but that was the opposite reason why i ran i, I kind of ran just because you know my soccer coach Saw cross country and track as being a way to stay in shape. Right. And I was at a big school in California, and I I, I guess I showed enough talent to get attention and to, to to do well. So running, unfortunately, from a very like young age, was about competition. Mm-hmm. And then when I got to college, you know, I was no longer winning races. And you know, when running is all about competition, then when you're not winning it's no longer fun and you know the pressure was so high to to do well and to perform and as you know you can't have a pr in every single okay. race so without those two elements of like you know that self satisfaction on an ego level or a performance level you know my the question i had was why run and i never had that question answered satisfactorily until i started making this movie even though i continued running for fitness
1: is is that why you continued? Was it just for for fitness? Something that you quote unquote kind of maybe had to do, or, or why did you continue running? Because I know uh, a lot of a lot of folks, and, and whatever the number a lot is, but I've heard lots of stories. Maybe is a better way to to phrase this of folks who really ran competitively in high school and or in college. Um, but then once, like you said, once you're no longer winning, once that 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 competition is is over, either you you finish high school, you're not going to run in college. You finish college, you're not going to run professionally. Um, you know, it's it's like running is the last thing you want to do. Um and if you didn't really find that that passion and that next level enjoyment of running until you you were working on the film, what kept you going for the years in between?
0: Well, you know, my my own opinion is that you know, a, a lot of the the distances which require a much more meditative focus in training and during the races like, you know, marathons, or even half marathons, mm-hmm. marathons and ultras I didn't even know that those were a possibility to run when I was in high school. Mm. Uh, At the same time, like, I mean, it, 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 it's kind of illustrated by the, the, the lack of like 17, 18, 19 year olds that like line up for marathons. People just don't know those distances exist and that there's a completely different way to approach those distances. So I, I, I I think that if I would had a coach or had friends or had, Family That had had experience in, in running marathons and ultras. And when I got burned out of the comp- competitive side of running, I would have realized that there's a whole aspect of running and even racing mm-hmm. um, that's really focused around competing against yourself. And that's it. And I, I wouldn't have kind of lost the spark.
1: Yeah, I think that that's for, for, certainly for myself and for, again, for for a number of folks I've talked to either on the show or just, you know, on social media and at races and running groups, whatever, um, is that, you know, running as adults gives us that outlet to, to still be competitive, but like you said and like many have said, competitive with ourselves. So it's an, it's an internal competition. It's pushing to get the most out of ourselves. Um, and you know, the, the days, certainly the the days of me winning a race. Um, I don't know that there were ever really days of me winning a race, but like, like any, any race with more than, you know, 20, 30 people, like I'm probably not going to win it, but I can always still be pushing myself. I can always be, be trying to, to run better, run smarter, listen to my body more, be more meditative, kind of be more in the moment, be present. Um, there's, there's plenty of ways that I can push myself each day, which is, which is quite honestly for me, something that uh certainly keeps me going even on the days when, you know, I mean I'm human. There's some days I don't really want to, but it's like it's it's that, that inner drive to continue to, to better myself. Um and yeah, finding that uh whenever you find it can really be a, a kind of a, a nice spark to kind of keep the, the passion alive.
0: Well so I I was on a on a prayer run with a bunch of Native American youth uh, in Arizona, we were running up through Monument Valley um, and into Bears Ears National Monument. And we passed through the Hopi Nation and met a Hopi elder named Rex Talium Tewa. And the Hopis are classically some of the best runners that have ever kind of graced the soil of North America. Their high schools have won, I think, 26 of the last 28 wow. um, Arizona State Cross-Country Championships. And this elder, Rex, told us, the point of running is to find the joy in exertion. Mm. And that really struck a chord for me because how many times when we're doing any kind of workout, whether it's repeats or a tempo run or even a long run, are we really trying to be in that moment? Most of the time we've got our playlist going or you're thinking about what you want to do afterwards and success or the ability to get through that workout comes from your ability to dissociate from the moment and just kind of get through it. But that's not what Rex said. The point was that Rex actually hinted that in that pain, in that exertion, deep down below that, there was a well of joy. And and in fact, I can say from from trying to practice that for the last five years, th- there is. And that was my issue with, with track racing, because, you know, unlike marathon racing and, and ultras, you know, you, you, it's very much uh, an anaerobic mm-hmm. event, even the the 800 and the mile. You know, your legs right. are burning um, right. in the last half. And at the end, you know, you literally, you know, feel like vomiting. So the idea of there being joy in that level of exertion was completely foreign to me. And I think a lot of people don't choose to race in those disciplines because the level of exertion and pain um, is too much and it doesn't seem fun. But at the same time, you know, Rex said, and it actually is fun if you have the the right attitude and the right intention when you do those distances.
1: Yeah, that's that's uh, it. it, it I, I'm right there, right there with you. And and uh, um, at least on, on the part of you know, you do some of those things, you do some of those hard workouts, you run some of those short races. They're hard, and it's it's almost like like for me at least like I want them to be over. Like I, I'm pushing myself hard, and I, I know that there's benefits to it, but I, I can't wait until this is this is finished. And so I, I, I my mind is a little bit spinning right now with the idea of of really embracing that and leaning into it. Um, and and I love that that insight. So with with that uh, in mind, and kind of you know something that you had already you know mentioned as as the the mile being one of your favorite distances, uh, you know the, the kind of the distance that got you started. Do you still do um, many of the, the shorter races uh, in, being in, in New York, I know that, that the New York road runners have some, some mile races and some, some shorter stuff that, uh, that we don't have as much of in, in my neck of the woods. Do you do some of the real short races anymore and really lean into embracing the, the pain and being, uh, you know, the, the pleasure and in the, in the pain in the moment?
0: You know, I, I, I've, I've done a bunch of two mile races. I haven't hit the track yet with, with, with the spikes, Uh, but I kind of take that attitude into my marathon training. Mm -hmm. I, I, I don't do a lot of high intensity workouts, but I do do a lot of mile repeats. Mm. And what gets me through is exactly that mantra to find the joy in exertion. And, and, you know, taking that from like a poetic, you know, uh, fantasy to reality has required me to do a couple of things. Like number one, I had to change my entire intention around running. You know, some people run to look good, and that's fine. Some people run to get their health better, and that's fine. Some people run just uh, for a sense of progress, and that's fine. But I, I, I realized from making 3100 Run and Become that if you want to transform your life and you look at running as a tool for personal transformation, it can actually do that for you. Mm-hmm. Now, number one, you have to set your intention. Um, but number two, you have to approach it in a different way. And that requires not shying away from those moments. Like, I don't listen to music anymore when I run. You know, I try to do what what our Navajo character in the movie said, you know, again, imagining that my feet are praying to Mother Earth, that Mm -hmm. I'm breathing in Father Sky, that I'm asking them for their blessings and showing them that I'm willing to work for their blessings. And then number three, it's like looking at what in my life frightens me and finding a, a corollary of that in running. Now, for all of us, pain frightens us, right. um, and exertion frightens us. So when I look at my workouts, you know, I, I, I approach it with the attitude of, of getting through the fear, getting through the pain, um, but in a positive way, understanding that it's not just enjoying the pain, because I can't do that. I'm not like a masochist a <laughs> supper fest kind of guy. But it it was actually trying to believe that there is joy underneath that pain, having faith in that and ultimately ultimately finding that, realizing that that pain was ephemeral and that I didn't actually have to focus on it. I didn't have to consider it a reality. I just had to go deeper. And so that makes the hard workouts and the anaerobic workouts fun. I mean, I I do want to get back to the track um uh, but i you know at at 45 i've got to work so much more on recovery mm-hmm. and so much more on on just general strength that like marathon training and like mile training aren't really as complementary
1: <laughs> yeah there's there's uh there's a little bit of overlap but yeah there, there those that's pretty far at the ends of the spectrum where, where the, uh, the overlap starts, you know, isn't, isn't as heavy as it might be if you're 5k and and mile or, or half marathon and marathon. Um, so yeah, they, they are a little bit opposed to each other. Um, you know, getting back to, to something that you just mentioned again, you know, focusing a little bit more on the, on the recovery and, and having to take care of yourself. Um, as, as we all, I think realize as, as we get older that, you know, the things that, that we could do, uh, you know, when we were 16, when we were 21, when we were 25, um, you know they have a little bit more lasting lasting effects than they than they do uh or, or now that we're you know in our thirties and forties and, and whatever um but something that you mentioned when talking about the marathon uh in the in that introductory question and and you know aiming for a two thirty and coming close um and and you said that you feel like your best is still in front of you and that you can still um you know hit some some p r s and some some big times um you know for for lack of a better way of asking the question you know father time catches up to to everyone and and at some point um you know we're not going to be as as fast as we as we were uh no matter what you do no matter no matter how much you you train how much how much you try um what what gives you that belief what gives you that that confidence that that there's still there's still more. There's still untapped potential. There's still PRs to to be gained. Um, not saying that you're old, of course. Not not saying that by any stretch. But you know, facts are facts. You're not 25. You're not 30. You're you're 45. Like you said, recovery is is a different different animal now. How do you you know? Wh- where does the confidence come from that you can still achieve times and 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 races and paces that you've never achieved before?
0: That's a great question. I, th- I think it's two part. It's like there's a there's a reason why we don't see a lot of 19, 20 year olds excelling at the marathon, um, or the ultra marathon. And it's not just because like what I said before, that people aren't introduced to it. Mm. It's because training and racing longer distances requires a lot of maturity. And what, what does that mean? It it means realizing that you have more in your toolkit than just your legs and your heartbeat, Mm. that attitude, that enthusiasm, that the ability to pivot and to, uh, to overcome obstacles is a huge part of doing well in a longer race, and you know, for me, like I, I've practiced meditation since I was I was eighteen, and i realized how powerful enthusiasm is, how powerful happiness is, and how you can kind of conjure that in the moment to get through obstacles, to keep your mind from obsessing over suffering. But number two, and this is a little bit more practical. I mean, Arthur Lydiard, the great Australian coach, was the first one to kind of put this into words that racing distances isn't about speed right like Mm. your speed is 40 is your 40 meter time and that's it everything else is endurance and when you look at the training patterns of great kenyan and ugandan and ethiopian uh distance runners they run their slow pace really slow Mm. so elliot kipchoge who runs at a 434 marathon pace when he does his slow runs, he says they can be 940 or 10 minutes per mile. Mm-hmm. So that's that's two and a quarter times slower than his race pace. How many of us do our slow runs two and a quarter times slower than our race pace? We, we, we don't. Uh, it's understanding that endurance is built in a totally different way than we think, that it's not about gutting through workouts. And and the proof for me was in the pudding, like, you know movie making is, is taxing. And, you know, I've I've spent the last nine or 10 years making movies full time, traveling a lot, not being able to train regularly. Last year, I told myself, I've got the time. I now have the maturity and the spiritual philosophy to approach running differently. Um, I ran a 237 marathon at the California International Marathon in Sacramento. I had a, a really, really rough last mile for dehydration. I was on 234 pace until 26.0 wow. miles mm. and then just had a kind of like disastrous like limbs flailing last 200 meters um but that that said i that i mean that that up until that point that was a, a little slower than 545 mile uh pace closer to 550 per mile pace uh for 26 miles and i hadn't run 26 miles the entire year, including races and speed workouts at sub 545 per mile pace. So the question is like, how do you translate not running fast in workouts to running fast on race day? Number one, it's confidence. Like my coach told me a week before, she said, on a good day, you're at 232. On a bad day, you're at 242. Um, So just knowing that based on my workouts my coach who'd run sub 230 that she felt that was possible number 1 that gave me the confidence number 2 it was understanding that so much about racing is keeping my heart calm and through meditation and yoga that's literally it's like keeping your heart calm opening it up to different realities i knew i could control my physiology that way i could control my nervousness and I could literally go out there with no expectations because I wasn't racing to win mm-hmm. I was just racing to do my best
1: yeah that uh you're you're speaking my language with the the maturity aspect of, of recognizing that you don't have to run hard all the time that, you know, I, I won't get too deep into it because the people listening get, get sick of me telling the same stories over and over and over again. But I've been, I've been a pretty firm advocate for both for myself and the, the folks that I work with, um, with heart rate training, or at least with running easy, most of the time running hard once in a while. And, uh, it's, it's crazy to, to think about, um, you know, and it's even sometimes it's, it's, it's a bit hard to wrap your head around it. And like, like you said, Sanjay, until you see it, until the proof is, is legitimately in your pudding where like, man, I've been running, you know, whatever, whatever slow is for you, whatever easy is for you. And then you go out on race day and crank it up, whatever the race distance might be. And it's like, your body didn't forget how to run hard. You know, your, your your body's still capable. Um, provided you've done the work, you've done the work intelligently, like it, it, can still go at paces that you haven't seen since the last time you really pushed yourself on a race. Um, and, and hopefully that makes the process a bit more enjoyable as well. reduces the risk of injury, yada, yada, yada. But, but I was just, you know, I'm, I'm grinning ear to ear when you, when you were talking about uh, Kipchoge and, and your, your numbers as well. Um, it's like, yep, here's, here's another, uh, another person that believes it. And hopefully, you know, the, the words will get through to somebody that they let them try it and really invest in the idea of running easier and how that can get, that can really pay off uh, big dividends on race day.
0: I mean, it's it's tricky in this day and age because I have a GPS watch. I use Strava. Mm-hmm. Friends follow me. But I've realized, like, you don't get a medal for running 70, 80, 90, 100 miles a week. No one's right. going to, you know, put you on the podium. Um, number two, it's like it doesn't matter what your average per mile, you know, pace is across the week. You know, even though your friends might go like I ran forty miles and I averaged seven minutes or eight minutes per mile pace at the end of the day, your acolytes come from doing well on race day, mm-hmm. and so the question is like how do you do well on race day, and a lot of it, like you said, with framing it in terms of recovery is. You've got one or two hard workouts a week and everything else is recovery. Mm-hmm. And so obviously you don't want to like sit on your couch. You don't make progress on the days you sit on your couch necessarily. But your, your, your non-hard days have to be recovery. So it's like that's mental training. That's mm-hmm. heart training. That's spiritual training. That's imagination. That's like gathering up your energy for your next workout and so it can't be a mental stress. If it's a mental right. stress, it becomes a stress on your nervous system, and you don't recover. Right. Your yeah. adrenals get taxed, and you just you just you know you lose enthusiasm, or you just burn out. Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's that's uh, I was talking to some folks uh, just just uh, last night as we're recording this. Obviously, as people listen to it, it had been uh, a few weeks ago. But just about that exact thing of of you know the the, the old idea of you know. Um, no pain, no gain and go hard. And, and, you know, the, 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 the cream kind of, you know, the idea being that the cream kind of rises to the top, the people that that burn out, the people that, that can't cut it, they eliminate themselves. And, and, you know, the, the research coming out, the science, the, the understanding of of physiology, Lydiard, who you mentioned, um, recognizing that it's all, you know, for, for distance running, it's all about building that endurance and, and uh, focusing on those hard runs, um when it's when it's time when it's appropriate but but backing off still getting training still getting benefit but not pushing yourself to the limit every day so i could i could keep talking about this topic uh all day sanjay but i I do want to get into to the film a bit and and talk about that a bit because it was it was uh, a great watch and uh but but before we dive into the real specifics just be be curious where did the the interest in in film filmmaking and and directing and, and creating documentaries um where did where did that part of of your life and and uh you know that that interest that seed get planted
0: it's a great question. So I, I worked in human rights from like 25 until 38, 37. And I worked in a lot of conflict zones and you know, began taking photographs, really encouraged by a lot of war photographers that came through. And as the cameras progressed technologically and started you know, having video capabilities, I started shooting little video clips and made some short films, which didn't suck apparently. And <laughs> that, that gave me confidence. But my first film, you know, since since you're you know, I know that you're based in Lakeland. My my first film was actually on a group of tomato pickers based in southern Florida, uh, off of Alligator Alley, Immokalee, Florida, the coalition of Immokalee workers and their fight for human rights in the fields of um, uh, the tomato fields of of, uh, Collier County. Um, And that film actually took me to to Lakeland in 2011, where the Immokalee workers were undergoing a six-day hunger strike uh, against the Florida supermarket giant Publix uh, for better wages, better rights. They've since won such um, protests against Walmart, against you know most of the fast food groups, um, but still, you know, not Publix. That said, after spending three years of basically like driving up and down central florida eating tons of mexican food i needed i needed to make a film you know through which i got back in shape and so you know the 3100 mile race the world's longest race um uh, actually takes place about a mile away from my home in new york city i'd always been fascinated by the race i had friends who did the race i knew the race directors and i wanted to find a way to make a film about the race but not just about the race but the reasons why running 3,100 miles isn't as outlandish as one might think.
1: Okay, so you're, you're teeing me up for the most obvious uh, you know, follow-up question in, in the history of, uh, at least in the history of my show. I won't, I won't throw everybody else's podcast and the history of podcasting out there, but why is running 3,100 miles not as outlandish as, as I absolutely think a 3,100-mile race would be?
0: So, again, perfect question. Num- number one, just some logistics around the race. Um, The the race, again, is 3,100 miles. People have 52 days to do that. So they have to average about 59 miles per day uh, to finish within that window. It's all held around uh, a a high school in Queens, a sidewalk loop that's a little bit more than a half a mile per loop. People say like, oh, my God, that sounds terrible going around in circles. But the fact of the matter is like if anybody's done uh, a 50 miler or a 100 miler, you realize that the most important thing is, number one, having access to aid. Mm-hmm. And when you're looking at a race that you, that you can't win in a day, but you could certainly lose in a day, you, know, you want to make sure the logistical elements are completely taken care of, and that's food and water and other facilities every half a mile. People have run across the country, and they've had to deal with trucks and cars and mountain ranges and no aid stations and no help for miles at a time. And here, since there's no traffic, you can enter into that flow state right away. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's the only, the only that's the only way this 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 run is possible. And to answer your question, you can't do a distance like this at, with, with with mental fortitude or willpower. Like nobody really has the capacity to just gut their way through 3,100 miles. You really have to have the unique ability of finding happiness. In this activity again it's like you don't save these types of like you know important attitudes or adjustments to the race itself, like you know you practice, you practice, you practice, you practice finding that joy in exertion, you practice finding a way to be your best self incredibly happy in all of your training so that when you get to this race, it just becomes uh, um, uh, an experience in finding enough happiness in your heart to overcome and conquer and ultimately um subdue the the natural pain that comes from these types of distances
1: yeah yeah it's uh certainly i mean and as, as the uh, the title of the race the, the self transcendence uh 3100 i mean it's it is uh, a, a big mental thing. And, and, you know, I mean, I've, I've talked to, to ultra runners that only are running a hundred or 200 mile races. And they talk about how important it is to have the mind. And, um, you know, one of the, one of the, the clips, and I think it's in the trailer as well, but, but the little quotes from the movie, um, one of the, 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 uh, the main characters, uh, and, and f- remind me of the name, Sanjay, the, the gentleman from Finland that was, Ashprihanal. Yeah, and I I who's a, a name that that should be easy to remember but it's, it's difficult to pronounce. Uh, but but there was a, a, a little a little segment of him uh, in The Barber's Chair and he said that you know any race that requires you to get a haircut during the race is, is an actual race. Anything else is just a sprint because you know, your hair's not growing long enough to, to get it done. That maybe, maybe chuckle a little bit that, um, you know, just thinking about a hundred miler or a 200 miler is just, just a sprint. That's not, not a big deal. Cause you don't need to get a haircut, uh, halfway through, but, um, you know, so, so all that to say kind of a, a, a side note, but, but curious, how did this, um, kind of film come together? Uh, because you know, I, I think about it, and obviously, I'm not a filmmaker, so I, I I don't know the logistics. I don't know how how to set things up and frame things and and tell a story in in that medium. But you know, you got day after day after day after day of of running happening. You know, I, I know that the the guys that finished it, um, I think it was like 39, 40 days, but you got 52 days. You got you got a month and a half, almost almost two months of of the race going on. How do how do you you know kind of put the film together in your mind so that you're, you're shooting it as you go, or do you just shoot it like crazy and then put it together afterwards? Like how did, how did the the actual putting the movie together uh, come into play?
0: So, you know, the, the film centers around the 3,100 mile race, but we wanted to show how and why this was possible without doing interviews with doctors and mm-hmm. experts and doing the kind of same old, same old. So that that's why we included three other narratives right. about a Navajo ultra um, running, you know, on ancestral land in honor of his father. We went to the Kalahari Desert to spend time on an actual persistence hunt with the Kalahari Bushmen and look at how ancient the practice of running was in terms of not just cultural importance, but spiritual importance. And as you know, we went to the highlands of Japan Mm -hmm. to the famed temples of Mount Hiai, where the marathon monks run, people who choose an aspirant every generation to do a thousand days of trekking, running, uh, covering a total of about 31,000 miles across that seven year trek. Uh, and again, the thousand days are split up into hundred day chunks. And so we actually worked very kind of like diligently to get access to the sto- those stories, which, you know, for the most part had never actually been told on film. Like no one had ever gotten the permission to, to go as, as deep as, as, as they let us. Um, so after we filmed those portions that, that, then we went to film the 3,100 and no, like you're right. We didn't set up a thousand cameras to film things, reality TV style. Um, as people who, who run all of your listeners know, very rarely is the drama, you know, apparent, especially in like ultra distance races, what people, the challenges people face, you know, they're not just the same old, same old blisters or like, you know, indigestion. It's like a lot of it it happens in your head and you can't, you can't just put a camera out to get that. So, you know, we sat on the course for 52 days, Mm. you know, looking for very, very specific moments of beauty and pain. And we tried to make those visual uh, with as little kind of dialogue or explanation as possible. So, it was very much an artistic approach rather than uh, kind of a television approach
1: yeah and it, it definitely the artistic uh, side of it definitely definitely uh, comes through um, and, and you mentioned the, the other the other stories uh, that that are also woven into into the finished product how how you know, again I, I maybe um, kind of almost asking the same question again but but how did the the putting the stories together to tell one kind of well not kind of one well-rounded uh story um with with four different kind of narratives flowing through it um you know how 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 difficult was that process how long did that take um was it and and again maybe this is just an ignorant question from a guy who doesn't know how to put films together um but but i'm just curious like like how how long once you had all the footage how long did the, the process then take at that point
0: so that that that's the challenge of being a filmmaker and that's why it's hard to make, you know, a 70 80 minute film and much easier to kind of like and and, and no judgment but to make shorter films and mm-hmm. just kind of throw them up on on YouTube. Um so you know I had to go to Japan four times to meet with various levels of of the the leadership at at Japan's oldest monastery mm-hmm. to you know not convince them of the project I'm making, but really show them that I had the attitude where I could listen to them, um, because in essence, I was capturing something very sacred to them. You know, similar process with a Navajo, who, you know, like most Native Americans, have a very sacred running tradition, but also don't like to put things that are sacred, you know, in a into a medium that's so you know, accessible like mm. like film. Um, so it, it took a lot of work on the back end. And again, you know, when we went to Botswana, because the Bushmen are being persecuted the way Native Americans were, you know, 50, 100, 200 years ago here in the U.S., you know, we very much had to, to film what we did um, sight unseen, undercover, without letting anybody know in the country what we were doing. And it's a very small, tight-knit country. So the, that, that, that approach is kind of classic human rights uh, filmmaking. And then when we filmed the 3100, you know, we literally we we, we couldn't make this film, you know, if we had shot 200, 300 hours of footage. You know, we literally had lists of the types of visuals since it is a visual movie. We had lists of the types of visuals that we wanted to capture. And, yeah, we could capture it all out of order um, in real time, you know, in reality. Um, But, you know, we didn't want to end up with hundreds of hours in the edit. It still took us a year and a half to to edit the movie uh, just because you're you're trying to make something as perfect as you possibly can you've got limitations on what you are actually able to shoot um for example you know i you know there, there's only one woman character in the movie even though most of our crew were females uh the 3100 generally gets about um three quarters of their entrance uh, are male, one quarter are female. And that's not a, a selection criteria. It's just the, the, there's just very few females that sign up for the race. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, you know, the the completion rate amongst males is about 50%. The completion rate amongst females is about 75%. Wow. In, in the year that we filmed, there were three women running. Um, we followed one, uh, the one that we thought had the Best chance of, of actually doing really well. And without giving anything away, you know, she didn't do that well. Um, there were two other women in the race, one of whom didn't actually want to be filmed because this race is hard. And yeah. having the pressure of like being mic'd from time to time was just, she just didn't want to do it. And I've, I've known that runner since we were both 21, 22. Wow. Um, the third runner, you know, who was the actual world record holder at the start of the race had such a terrible race that she told me halfway through, you know, if you can avoid putting me in the film, you know, please, you know, do that because I want, I'm going to come back and I'm going to do even better than I, I, I I ever had before. And she did, but she said, I don't want to be memorialized in my worst possible year. Mm -hmm. Um, so from that perspective, it's like, you, you've got things that are totally out of your control um, and at the end of the day, it's like, you look at what you have and you look at how to make the best story out of it.
1: Yeah. That's, uh, it, it's, uh, a, a puzzle that, uh, you know, you, you're, you're trying to put it together without having the, the finished picture. Like you have the picture in your mind, but it's not necessarily what, uh, what all you have to, to work with, um, for, for you being there, um, like you said, to be there for 52 days, taking, taking the, the footage, knowing kind of what you're looking for, looking for those moments. Um, what was what was not so much the film – I mean, maybe the filmmaking part of it is part of it as well. But like being there day in and day out watching this race take place, what was that like for you?
0: Well, you know, on, on, on one sense, it's it's completely nerve-wracking. Um, and it's, it's an incredibly exhausting uh, profession just because my mind had to be on. We, we were out there, you know, 12 hours a day of the 52 days – I was out there probably 52 days. Um, Our crew was out there probably 30 days, Um, but like my mind had to be on. I had to be constantly like looking for these little story opportunities, these little moments of drama that you know we knew we needed to to make the movie into what it was. Um, And so you know, (laughs) weirdly enough, at, at the end of the summer, you know when it was still hot in New York. And, you know, everyone was still happy. Literally the last, uh, after the last day of the shoot, I went down with pneumonia mm-hmm. for a month. Wow. For a month. Because it's just like, it was, it, it, obviously I, I can't compare the effort to those running the race. But, you know, it was um, definitely like a nerve wracking uh, experience. Especially because, you know, with the, again, without giving anything away, like the, the, the race was incredible that, that, that year that the back and forth between number 1 and number 2 mm. they they were neck and neck it was it was the closest 3100 mile race finish in the now 23 years 24 year history of the race so our main character was neck and neck with like an underdog um up until the last few hours and i won't say who won and who didn't but even that aspect was completely nerve-wracking because I was so, he he was like, he's one of my best friends. I was so tied into like how he was doing emotionally. Mm -hmm. Um, even though we were, we were filming things, you know, very objectively that that was nerve wracking too. Like, what's this going to end up being if so-and-so wins and -and so-and-so loses? Like, did we make a mistake? You know, what else do we need to capture as this race begins to unfold in a completely unique way?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, and, and, tie that in with with what you said previously about the the lady who had who had some struggles you thought she was the one that was going to be the 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 top female uh doing doing real well she had some struggles um you know the as as all runners know i think you know the longer the race the more possibility for for the unexpected to happen and and for things to to crop up you know whether it's injuries issues heat uh food you know stomach unrest like like there's so many things that can can go wrong and and yeah you know it's it's quote unquote it's bad enough when it's a a, a marathon or it's a 50 miler or it's a 100 miler but when it's a 3100 miler when it's when it's 50 days of of you know getting out there and getting after it every single day um man the, the unexpected that that can happen um and and the emotions and and then yeah you talk about a a a you know, I mean, it wasn't a photo finish, but like an almost like, like for that type of distance to be just a, a few miles apart, that's, that's a photo finish. You know, that, that's, that's a two second, uh, finish in a marathon or something like that. So it was, it was definitely exciting seeing it coming down the stretch and, 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 you know, not knowing how it was going to play out. So that was, that was, uh, a, a you know, I guess something that, that you maybe don't expect in a 3,100 mile race for it to come down to be that close, which obviously, you know, it's the, the, the closest ever. Like, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was pretty, pretty neat to watch
0: i mean it 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 just shows you like in those races there's something incredibly um important for for the rest of us to learn and and that's the idea of bringing patience into our running mm-hmm. you know when when we think of, of of races, even marathons, you don't necessarily have to be super patient, you know yeah, you have to hold yourself back, but you know that if you push yourself, you know you have three weeks, four weeks, six weeks where you can rest mm-hmm. um, you can go past the edge of comfort. But in a stage race, whether it's a a three day, six day, 10 day, or a 52 day race, you can't have, you you can't be dumb. Mm -hmm. You know, you you can't push what beyond your physical limits. You have to say like, Hey, I, I, I can push myself to the edge, but I can't go over that edge because I have to wake up and do this again tomorrow. And, and that's a great attitude for training where you go like, you know, when you're trying to race or, or prepare for a race, that might be three, six, nine months, you know, down the line, you know, as a coach that one of the, the most important things you can do is not get injured. Mm-hmm. That's it. Like you're going to have a good race. Um, if you've been able to be injury free relatively for, you know, six to nine months and not have to have had, you know, a week, two, three, a month off mm-hmm. to recuperate and you know i, I look at the 3100 mile runners and i look at the fact that they can maintain an intensity um over such a long period of time and i ask how they can do that and that's really through their ability just to be happy in the place where they're at and not have any expectations of how they're doing how how they're going to you know feel in a week or two weeks not projecting out anywhere past the moment they're in
1: yeah that's that's a good uh a good a good lesson and a good a good reminder. Hopefully, not not a, a new lesson for folks, but just you know, not not projecting into the future. Uh, kind of living living where you are, whether it's it's the mile you're in, whether it's the day you're in, the the work situation you're in, the the home situation. Um, you know, being being present, which again you know, kind of ties back into the meditation aspect of things and uh, being being in the moment um, and just, and just doing the best you can leaning in, in the discomfort, like so many tie ins right there. Uh, I think that was a, a beautiful way to, to start wrapping things up here, Sanjay. And and before we officially wrap up though, I, I, I want to ask one more question and, uh, I call it kind of the, the philosophical question. Sometimes it's, it's, uh, basically it's like the introductory question, something that's fairly open-ended. Uh, sometimes it's pretty generic. Sometimes it's a little bit more specific to, to the conversation, but still keep it very kind of i mean open ended best way of saying it um, and this is where we'll wrap up today but would just be curious um, you know from this this process of putting this this film together from filming the thirty one hundred mile race um, meeting with the bushmen meeting with with the navajo uh uh runners and and the folks you met with there uh, meeting with the the japanese the the marathon monks um, what what have well maybe not what have what is your your biggest takeaway from from this this film this this project the thing that that is going to stay with you uh for all the rest of your days whether it's it's running whether it's filmmaking whether it's other aspects of life but what is what is your biggest uh takeaway from from the the film project thirty one hundred run and become
0: i mean so if if anybody wants to find a reason to watch the movie it's it's really this quote which which sticks to me and I've repeated it par- i've repeated parts of it but this is it in its entirety, and it's you know it's what our, our Navajo character, a, a champion ultramarathoner named Sean Martin, told me. He said, "When the Navajo run, we pray with our we pray to Mother Earth with our feet. We breathe in Father Sky. We ask them for their blessings, and we show them that we're willing to work for their blessings. And when we make that connection between our feet and Mother Earth, our breath and Father Sky, we not only become champions, we become warriors." And so that, that showed me for the first time in my life that running is a pathway to transformation, that running is practically the first religion that men and women practiced. And there is something innately human about moving on our feet. And lastly, Sean's father is, is, a, is a spiritual man, a spiritual leader, a medicine man on the Navajo Nation. And of course, I said, it's easy to have that attitude when you're running in beautiful canyons and <laughs> you know, through desert landscapes. And very wisely, Sean's dad, Alan, said, Mother Earth is under the sidewalk, too. Mm -hmm. You know, Father Sky isn't just in a canyon. The air is everywhere. And so it shows that, you know, even this 3,100-mile race where people are spinning around in circles in New York City on a sidewalk loop in the summer, there's something innately human and spiritual about that. And it's something that, you know, just with the right attitude, we can capture in all of our runs, whether training runs, whether, whether, you know, races, whether half mile runs, whether 50 mile runs.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I absolutely love it. And, uh, uh, again, when, or once again, guys, I, I can't, uh, recommend the film enough it's it's definitely worth worth the watch it's about 80 minutes so it's not uh, a huge you know huge time commitment just you know turn it on some evening um, and and enjoy it 3100film.com is the website again it's on iTunes it's on Google Play it's on Amazon uh, you can you can find it uh, in, in multiple places but definitely worth worth checking out uh, if you want to connect with Sanjay on Instagram it's at Mr. Sanjay R and also you can connect more with the film on Instagram at 3100film com slash 852 is a link to take you back to the show notes today we'll have everything linked up as we open always do have some photos and stuff as well. We'll also have a link to the trailer. So if you want to check out the trailer a little bit, we'll have that there as well. Um you can also find that in various other places searching not too hard to find, but slash 852 of everything in one place. So uh Sanjay, thank you for uh for taking the time today. Thanks for uh you know, putting together a really great movie about a race that um I'm sure probably some of us, a lot of us, even myself really hadn't heard much about um until I kind of came into into your orbit a little bit and got a chance to watch it and Love it. I mean, what a, what a great, great event. And again, tying all the other stories in as well, it was just a, a well-done film. So thank you for the time today. Thank you for the work that you do. And uh, looking forward to seeing what the next projects are coming down the road. But thank you for your time today, my friend.
0: Danny, you are awesome. I can't wait to have a run with you in person.
1: All right, guys. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to today's episode of the show. Hope you enjoyed the conversation between Sanjay and myself. And we'd be curious to know what stood out to you from today's episode. What was what was your takeaway from our conversation today? There were several things that definitely stood out to me. Several notes on my little my little sticky note that I uh, keep track of during the conversation, and then listen back and go, yeah, that's that was a good point, and that was a good point. Uh, so there definitely is uh, multiple angles that I'm sure all of us have taken from this, and multiple things that were taken away. For me, the biggest one was towards the end, uh, you know, talking about the 3100 mile race. And and Sanjay talking about the patience required to to run that kind of race, and and you know to not go too much too quickly because you're going to be there for you know 50 plus days, day after day, logging 60 miles. Um, it's just it's just mind boggling. But but when he was talking about that, and and you know it just it just made me think how important patience is, obviously in every area of life, but but even in every area of running. You know, so much of, of what we want is we want it now. We want it quickly. Um, and in and in running that's just and in most things, quite honestly, but certainly in running, that's just not how it works. It's not how it works. You gotta you gotta put in the time, you gotta put in the, the effort, you gotta allow your body time to adapt, to adjust, to get stronger, to build the, the endurance, to improve your efficiency. To, to change your body composition, if that's part of, of the process, which for a lot of us, that is part of the process, right? So there's, there's a lot of things that, that are, are going on that are helping us or that are that are part of the process of us moving towards our goals and trying to rush that process just doesn't work. And so not only, you know, like Sanjay was talking about, you need patience in the race itself, you know, p- to, to pace yourself, to go with the appropriate effort, to not make your move too early, which are things that, that mistakes I've made, certainly. Uh, things I try to, to mention on here and to the folks I'm working with, to try to help them to not make those mistakes. But sometimes it's, it's really hard on race day to be patient. Sometimes from one race to the next, it's really hard to be patient. Sometimes, like right now, it's really hard to be patient knowing when the next race is actually going to be. But... Patience is a big part of our sport in all in all aspects. It's it's tough to be patient when you're coming back from an injury, and you're starting to feel pretty good, and you want to start running again, and you need to to ease into it instead of jumping into the deep end. It's hard to be patient there. I mean, how, how many areas when it comes to to running does patience play a factor? Most of them. Most of them. I'll, I'll answer my own question in part because you can't. I can't hear your answer. <laughs> Whatever it is you're saying right now, I can't hear it. So let's just say most, most areas of our sport, patience is required. So that was, that was you know, as, as Sanjay was talking about it in, this, in the specifics of the 3100 uh, race, it was just even more just like I just started thinking about, well, you got to be patient in even a short race, even a 5K, even a one mile. you got to be patient in, in training. you got to be pr- patient in recovery. So many areas of our sport that patience is uh, is a virtue, as my aunt used to say when I was a kid, and I wanted to uh, be less than patient. And she would remind me, "Denny, patience is a virtue." Aunt Jeannie was right. Sanjay was right, and uh, another good reminder today about the importance of patience. So that was my takeaway. What about you? What stood out to you from today's episode? Let me know at DizRuns on Twitter at DizRuns on Instagram. You can slide into the DMs. You can tag me in a post. Either way love hearing from you uh, you can also shoot me an email at at gmail.com and of course you can head over to the show notes for today where we've got links we've got some photos uh, we've got obviously stuff related to to helping you find uh, the film 3100 uh, the 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 movie there um, which again I mean we've already given you the links 3100 filmcom uh, easy to find but uh, we've got uh, we got everything linked up there if you need it Uh, dis slash eight five two is the place to get there. And what I was trying to say before I got off on a tangent talking about the film again, uh, is that you can also leave a comment down in the, in the comment section. Good to hear from you in the comment section once in a while as well. Um, basically in case you haven't figured it out yet, I just like hearing from you guys. So whatever way is best for you, social media on the website, via email uh if you want to send a smoke signal or a carrier pigeon hey those things work too if you want to send snail mail i'll take that i just like to hear from you guys so whatever works best for you certainly works for me and uh, thank you guys for listening once again if if uh, i can help you as a coach i'm happy to do it in a variety of different ways there's different options out there uh, but all the information is at disruns.com coaching so check it out let me know how i can help you uh you know navigate through 2020 and hopefully navigate into into twenty twenty one as well. When things get hopefully by then, much more back to normal, much more races starting to happen where we can do so safely. Of course, that's always the first priority. So, uh, with that, we'll go ahead and officially wrap this one up. Officially call this one a day. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, feel free to uh, you know hit the share button, pass it along, send it you know pay it forward, send it to a friend. Uh, that's always uh, appreciated and certainly helpful uh, when you help to spread the word. And uh, whether you spread the word or not, until next time, because I'll be back. I'll be back in a few days, maybe in, in a few more seconds, if you've already got another episode in the queue ready to go. Uh, I'll be just transfer- transferring right into that one, right? But uh, I'll be back soon. I hope you'll be back to listen. Uh, until next time, please be well. Take care. Thanks again for listening today. And uh, we'll talk soon, all Right? See you guys.